again this year, right? <laughs> All right. Um, we can go ahead and put the first slide up there. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be going through a passage in 1 Corinthians. And uh, we're going to talk about what is of most importance. That's what we're going to be looking at. And uh, there are things that are very important. Just really important. I had a friend who said I could borrow his skiff. And this is when we lived in Juneau. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a real boater kind of person. I, I don't have a lot of experience there. I grew up in Nebraska. We had a, uh, a 13-foot aluminum uh, John boat that you rode. It had no motor. It was just oars and it was just small lakes and stuff. So that's my experience of boating. So we're in Juneau and, the, and, and he says, you know, I'll show you how and you can use my skiff. Go out and just enjoy it. So he, he runs me through the things that I need to know and then he turns me loose. I, I haul his boat down to the, the harbor there and, and uh, you know, life jackets, making sure everything's there. Because, you know, you need to be do it right. And then I back the, the trailer down the ramp, get the boat in the water, and I'm, I don't even remember what all I'm doing. But by the time I finally get back, you know, the, the boat's in the water, but, but the trailer's still there. I haven't unhooked it yet. And I look, and the boat is filling up with water. <laughs> I had left out a really important thing. And what was that? Make sure the plug is in the back of the boat. I knew better. But anyway, my manhood sank as the boat was sinking. But I got it out of there. I got it out of there. And then, anyway, there are some things that are just very, very important. Putting a plug in the boat before you put it in the water is very, very important. What we're going to look at today is a text that uh, the Apostle Paul is reminding some people of what is really the most important thing. And so that's what we're going to look at today. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we will read some of those verses. Um, then I'll pray again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And then it's going to go into those things that he passed on, which we'll be focusing on that. But um, we'll take a little time for this introduction here. Let me pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word, you said heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will never pass away. And Father, as I go through your word today, I ask for just your Holy Spirit to take it and that it will be touching hearts the way you want to touch hearts. And Father, I just thank you for each person that you've brought here today and the things that you want to speak to each person because you care about them. So let your will just be completely fulfilled, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's just take a look at these, these verses here <clears throat> uh, to begin with. It says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Now, when you start reading the Bible, I started reading the Bible when I was about 19 years old. And uh, you'll see that word gospel in there a lot in the first Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, you'll see that. Gospel just means good news. It just means good news. That's, that's what it means. 
And he said, brothers, I want to remind you of the good news that I preached to you. This good news that I was telling you all about. Then he went on to say, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. So these people in, in Corinth, they had heard and then they embraced it. They, they believed it. And, and they actually started to stand on the things that had been taught. So it's like they were basing their lives on these things that they had been taught. And then it goes on to say, by this gospel you are saved. So this good news that Paul said he had brought to them, he said, it'll save you. Now that word saved, uh, original Greek is sozo, and it means to save, to heal, cure, preserve, keep safe and sound, rescue from danger or destruction, to deliver. There's a lot in that word. But Paul was saying, you know this message that I brought? It'll save you. It'll keep you from being destroyed. It will deliver you from things that you're in bondage to. I mean, it's just... It'd save them. This message. Then he went on to say, For what I received... I passed on. Paul said, I didn't come up with this message. I I am not the author of this message that I brought. I am not the one who came up with this good news. I actually heard it from someone else. I received it when I heard it, and now I'm just passing it on to you. Now, we know that uh, it was a very unique situation because Paul, according to Scripture, Paul actually received this message from Jesus. Jesus is the one who appeared to Paul because Paul opposed that message to begin with and then Jesus appeared to him and Paul realized, wow, this is the truth. This is the truth. So I received it and now he just goes everywhere he can and he's telling everybody this message, this good news. And now he's going to go into the, what the message is, which will be our main uh, thing this, this morning. So let's go to verse 3. He said, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is the most important thing that I could bring to you. This is the most important thing I could do. And then he says what it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. According to God's word, the Bible. That Christ died for our sins. Now I just want to share some passages today. I could give you my opinion. But that's really not going to be that important. I want to share some scriptures from the Bible and just let that speak to you today on this this aspect of Christ dying for our sins. I want to go to the words of Jesus first. This is uh, a verse that a lot of people have heard in their life one time or another. John 3.16 and verse 17. Now this is Jesus speaking and his words were being recorded. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now most people have heard that, but the next part says this. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to condemn people. Basically people were already condemned. He didn't come, but look at the next part. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to 
Save. Sozo. Same Greek word. To save. To deliver. To all of that stuff. To save the world through Him. Those were Jesus' words. I want to back up to the point where Jesus is in Mary's womb. Now, the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the Son of God. It was the Holy Spirit that came upon Mary. She conceived, and, and this, this uh, baby that was growing in her was human, but yet was God's Son. And uh, Joseph, Mary's, Mary and Joseph were engaged. They hadn't been married yet, but they were engaged. Joseph saw that Mary was now pregnant. And he knew he wasn't the father. So he was determining to divorce her quietly. Uh, in those days, once you got engaged, that was like being married. You weren't together yet, but the commitment was there. and You had to get even a divorce from an engagement. So he was thinking, I'm just going to divorce her quietly I'm, and just let this go. This is not my kid. And then God gives him a dream. And there's this angel in this dream that starts speaking to him. And just look at the words here. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save. Sozo, that same word again. He will save people from their sins. Save them from their sins. Another passage, just another words or other uh, some words of Jesus. He was explaining why he came. He called himself the Son of Man sometimes because he was human. He was born as a human, but he was the Son of God also. So he called himself Son of God, Son of Man. And it says, For the Son of Man came to seek. He came looking. He came looking. He came to seek and save. Sozo, that word again, the lost. There were people that didn't even know they needed him. And he's like seeking them out. They're not even aware of their need. They don't know enough to come to him. He's seeking them. Because he wants to save them. Now, this next passage is a little more lengthy. You're going to have to follow me on this. It's out of the book of Romans. But it explains very clearly about this Jesus dying for our sins stuff. So, follow with me in Romans 3. I have this out of the New Living Translation because it says it very clearly in that translation. But now God has shown us a different way of being right in His sight. The word is justified, being right in God's sight. Not by obeying the law. Pastor, you're saying I don't get right with God by doing the right things? Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. You don't get right with God by being good. Now, if you could be perfect, then you could be right with God. Anybody in here close to that yet? You don't get right with God by being good. Nobody can be good enough. You can't keep God's laws and get into a right relationship with Him. But now God has shown us a different way of being right in His sight, not by obeying the law, but by the way promised in the Scriptures long ago. We're made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus. Jesus Christ to take away our sins. 
And we all can be saved in the same way. No matter who we are or what we have done. It doesn't make any difference what you have done. It doesn't make any difference. Nobody has done anything so horrible that God wouldn't save them. There's a lot of horrible things out there. But nobody's left out. Let's go to verse 23. For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everybody, they, nobody is good enough to be right with God. Yet now God in His gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus uh, who has freed us by taking away our sins. See, we, could, we can never be good enough and God said, I'm going to send my son. He's going to take your place. He's going to die for your sins. And through Him, you can receive my forgiveness because your sin will be punished. It's just that I'm going to punish Jesus instead of you. Sin will be punished and you can be declared righteous. That's why it's called the gift of righteousness. For God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. We're made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed His blood, sacrificing His life for us. So, Paul said, I I brought those things that were of most importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. But there was more to it. So let's go back to the text we started with. The next part says that he was buried. That Jesus was buried. He died on the cross, was taken down, and he was put in a tomb. Jesus' followers, some of them have been following him for like three years. Jesus' followers, they see this happening, they see Jesus dying on a cross, and they're thinking, what is going on? This is the Son of God. How can He die on a cross? And then when they see Him put in a tomb, it's like, it's over. (laughs) Their hopes are gone. Their hopes are gone. It looks like death has won. Their hopes are destroyed. He's dead. He's dead. Buried. Something about burial that makes it very final. About 10 years ago, I had this impression that uh, I needed to round up. I have two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother, and their families. And I said, I, I just felt like I was supposed to get everybody to go back and visit mom and dad. They, uh, they lived, uh, my parents lived in Nebraska, and their boys lived all over the country. So I said, I, I just feel like we're all supposed to go get back to Nebraska this summer and see mom and dad. And they said, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. So we all came back in, uh, I think it was like in July, something like that. And, and so we were all together with mom and dad. And uh, dad had suffered a stroke a little bit earlier. I don't know. It was a few years actually, the first stroke. And it took his speech. It's like he could think, he knew what he wanted to say, but he, but he couldn't get it formulated. And that would frustrate him so much. He wanted to say something, but it just, the words wouldn't come out. And so we're all there that summer. And now I can see, okay, Dad's starting to slip some more. There's some, his thinking isn't as clear as it used to be. 
And uh, I'm sitting in the living room of the house that he built. He built the house that I grew up in. And he motions for me to, to follow him. So, so I know, okay. So I get up and I follow dad and he goes into the bathroom. I'm thinking, I don't know what this is all about. So I follow him into the bathroom and then he's standing there at the sink and he had built the that cabinet and he had built that I mean he built that whole house he's standing all in front of you know with all the stuff he'd built when he was younger he reaches into the medicine cabinet and he gets some shaving cream and he starts putting it on his face and I remember dad he never liked having he always wanted his face smooth he shaved every day as I was growing up I mean he just never skipped that so he's putting shaving cream on his face and he gets the razor but his hands are a little shaky and then he gives the razor to me and wants me to shave him. I tell you what, that was like, I can't believe that the man that has always been so strong and such a leader is asking me to shave him. It was, it was just one of those moments that I, I didn't know what to do with it. So here I am shaving my dad. Well, we all went home and then about two months later, we're all back in Nebraska again for Dad's funeral. I mean, it happened pretty quick. And uh, my brothers, myself, their families were, were sitting there. And we're watching them carry him out, go to the graveside. You know, he's buried. Burial is just like so final. You know what I'm talking about if you've, you know, you've loved ones that have passed. You know what I'm talking about. Well, February of this year, I get a phone call at like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. I look and it's from my younger brother Joe. And I know any call from him <laughs> that early in the morning is not a good call. Okay, because we call one another regularly every six to eight, eight months. Okay, so that's just kind of what we do. But, so I know something is up here. And uh, I'm listening. He said, Mom passed. She's gone. Just got word. So I'm back in Nebraska. Okay. And uh, we're making plans for the funeral. And, uh, the, you know, pallbearers, you know, who's going to be the pallbearers? And it was in my heart. I said, you know what? I want to carry mom. She carried me. <laughs> I want to be the one to carry her. And both of my brothers said, you know, we do too. We want to carry our mom. Then we pick some other pallbearers because it takes more than three. But uh, So anyway, we carry her out of the church into the hearse and then you'll carry her from the hearse to the graveside and mom's buried. It's just so final. You know? It's so final. He was buried. His followers, Jesus' followers, couldn't believe he died. That was not in their plans at all. Jesus dying? <laughs> and then buried? It's like death has won. Why did all that happen? You know? They've got all this stuff going through their head. We're reading it now. I mean, we see the whole thing, but they're living it. You know, why did he die? Well, because he was dying for the sins of the world. Why is he buried? 
Well, because there's one more thing he wants to conquer. Totally conquer. Death. Jesus said, I will conquer death. It's back to our text. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. I watched this TV program the other day, and they had uh, uh, a police officer was speaking, and he said, yeah, we had come up with this plan, and uh, there were a lot of criminals that we were having a hard time getting a hold of. So they got all of the addresses they could, you know, whether they were the last addresses or whatever, and they started sending out these mailings that th- these people, each one would get a personalized letter, that they had won a prize. And that uh, they gave the address to come to at a certain day, at a certain time, and they would be able to pick up their free prize when they got there. And so on the appointed day, there was this building, and all these people started coming to this building. And they were all really happy because they'd all won something. So they, they come into, their, uh, into the room and they're sitting down and there's a stage with a curtain drawn and they're all really excited. You know, uh, I want a TV, whatever, you know, all these different things. And then the curtain parted and it's just filled with police officers <laughs> with lots of handcuffs, lots of handcuffs. And they just cuffed them all and took them off. And they filmed some of it. I don't, maybe the, I don't know if this was the actual or if they recreated it. But one of the guys that was being carried off uh, asked, "Do I still get my TV?" He said, "No. I don't think there was any TV." You know, they were set up. <laughs> they got absolutely set up. Satan, sin, and death were set up. They thought they had won. When Jesus died on the cross, they thought they had won. When Jesus was buried, they were sure they had won. It was all a setup. Because Jesus was going to conquer even death itself. You, gotta, you have to look at this verse. It's, uh, the, the Apostle Peter, uh, this is a, a, it's a recording of when he was preaching to a a lot of people. He was at the temple area. There was a lot of people there. A lot of those people that were there were the same ones that were yelling crucify when Jesus was on trial. So he's speaking to this massive group of people that knew exactly about Jesus being crucified. They're the ones that yelled out crucify to him. And look what he says. He says, But you followed God's prearranged plan. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him, Jesus, to the cross and murdered him. However, God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life again, for death could not keep him in his grip, in its grip. Death could not hold Jesus. Jesus, let's look at his words. The book of Revelation. How many of you have ever read the book of Revelation? Okay, when you figure it all out, Tell me, okay? I could use a little help there. The book of Revelation is talking about the last years here on earth. And it talks about when there will be a one world government and all the things that are going to happen and it just kind of lays it out. And it goes in between uh, pictures of what's happening on earth during that time 
And it also shows what's happening in heaven at that time. So it kind of goes back and forth. And early in chapter 1, it starts showing us some things in heaven. shows us Jesus. And Jesus is speaking. And this is one of the things that Jesus said in Revelation chapter uh, 1, verse 18. He said, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. Look at this next part. And I hold the keys of death in Hades. I have them because I conquered death. We're going to look at a passage here in just a moment that talks about death and the sting of it. Because death has a sting. And uh, let's just go there. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It starts in verse 55. It says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Now what does that mean? The sting of death is sin. Our sins are what condemns us before God. And Scripture says if we die in our sin, then we will stand before God and we will uh, we'll be judged according to everything we've done, said, thought, all of that stuff. We'll be judged according to that. And then there will be judgment. There will be. That's the sting of death. The sin that condemns us, that brings us under the judgment of God. The sting of death. And then it says... The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. What does that mean? That means God's law, which is holy, which is right, it actually condemns us. Because it says, yes, you did break this one. Yes, you did break this one. Yes, you did break this one. And so the strength of sin is the law. God's law shows that we are guilty. Okay? But God never gave us the law as a way of being right with Him. The law was really given to show us that we will keep failing. That we cannot be good enough to make it to heaven. Scripture says in another place, it says basically the law kind of leads us to Jesus. It shows us we need a Savior. Okay? Have you ever tried to be really good? Well, I hope somebody in here has tried to be really good. Okay, I mean... Listen. Before Jesus was in my life, there were some things, you know, that I tried to change. It was tough. It was tough. And I didn't really want to know God's law very much because it just condemned me. I mean, I couldn't... I just couldn't be good enough anyway. So I dealt with it the way a lot of people deal with it. They plug their ears. Don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Just live life and don't want to hear about it. I knew I was never good enough to make it to heaven. You know, some people have the hope that their good will outweigh their bad. It ain't happening. You know, (laughs) I mean, I did some good things. At least I think I did some good things back then. But it, it, the law will just condemn you. But it will also do what it finally did to me. 
Jesus, you're my only hope. You are my only hope. Because you know me. You know me. And it's not like I wanted to be good all the time anyway. I just really didn't want to get caught doing the wrong things. But, you know, look at this. Where of death is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory over that struggle. He gives us victory over the... trying to be good enough to make it to heaven. Nobody can. Nobody can. Let me finish with this verse. In Romans chapter 4. Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. And He was raised from the dead to make us right with God. That we would be justified. Listen. My only hope is Jesus. And the fact that He loves me amazes me. Because He knows me better than anybody. He knows things I've never told anybody else. And I never will. And He loves me. Paul said, when I came to you, I brought the things that were of the most importance. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried, but He was raised from the dead on the third day. And it was all for you. I received that message and I brought it to you and I told you about it. And that's basically what's happening today. I received this message and I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it to you. Now let me let me just read. won't be on the screen. Back where we started. Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel, the good news that I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. It changed their lives. This morning, I'm going to give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel, the good news. And some of you, you know, you've heard the message before. Some of you, it may be kind of new. Maybe you didn't really understand it. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to to respond because that's what this church thing is all about. Us worshiping the Lord together and then us sharing this message with others and giving them opportunities to respond. And it's a total free will thing. You know what I'm saying? There's no pressure. There's no pressure whatsoever. It's just in your heart. Do you embrace this news of Jesus? Do you see your need that you do need Jesus as your Savior and then responding to that? And uh, let me tell you, Jesus, it's not all about Him trying to make people better. That's not what this is about. This is about people who are spiritually dead, separated from God, being made alive, spiritually alive. 
with God in their life. That's what this is all about. Change comes after that. Sting of death. You know what? As I watched my dad being buried, he was sad, but there was no sting of death. There wasn't any sting. Because I knew that my dad, my dad, my brothers and I, we got saved you know, in the age of like 18, 19, 20. I mean, we waited. I didn't grow up in a Christian family, so, but I heard the gospel. I responded to it, shared it with my brother. He responded to it. Then we shared it with our younger brother. He responded to it. We shared it with our mom. She didn't do much. We shared it with our dad. He got mad at us. <laughs> All right? So that's, that's kind of the story. Dad's words were, we'll just see how long this lasts. Okay? So obviously telling dad what he needed was not working well at all. So we prayed. Jesus, save that stubborn man. Save him. (laughs) Help him to see. He needs Jesus. Well, within a couple years, mom received Jesus as her savior. I don't even know when she did it. I don't know that anybody ever really led her to the Lord. She just did it. And uh, there was no sting of death when mom was buried. We knew that she was with Jesus. To be absent from this body, the Spirit's present with the Lord. And that body that we watched get buried, it's going to be raised and glorified, made eternal. I mean, God says, what I started, I'm going to complete. Everything's going to get put back together. (laughs) Everything's going to be in order. Dad, you know, he kind of refused to see his needs, so we just kept praying, and he was driving truck travel over here somewhere, somebody tell him about Jesus, travel to another state, drop off a load, somebody give him a track. I mean, he just couldn't get away from God. And he just came back, born again into the kingdom of God. He came back and just said, hey, let's, he started going to church with us. He just started praying. He was changing. But it was because God came into his life, then he started changing. Dad, was never good enough to make it to heaven. But that's not how you get to heaven anyway. He put his faith in Jesus. Jesus came into his life. Jesus started doing things in dad's life. And, and setting him free from stuff. So, today. Again, worship team, if you would come at this time. I give you an opportunity to respond. I'm not calling you to this. God is calling you. You know, God is the one calling. I know it's a little warm in here. We'll get the fans out. Snuck up on me. We haven't had to use fans yet this year, but this morning we should have had fans out. I apologize. I want you to close your eyes for a moment as the worship team gets ready. And I, I just want to give you some time to think to think going to church does not pave the way to heaven being good does not pave the way to heaven our only hope is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins that he was buried and he was raised to life and our hope is only in Jesus that's all it will ever be today if anyone here today the Lord has made this message clear to you today it's kind of like today you get it today you understand I want to give you an opportunity to respond 
because I'm going to pray with people who want to give their lives to God and receive Jesus as their Savior, His forgiveness. I'm going to, I'm going to give you that opportunity today. But first let me ask this with eyes closed. Who in here today would say, I do see my need and I do want to give my life to God. I need Jesus as my Savior. Just raise your hand. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Okay, any other hands? This is not something that I can pressure at all. This is something that God just works on your heart, just ministers to your heart. Okay. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you can pray it from where you're at. But you need to mean it from your heart. You need to mean it from your heart. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand at this time. It's not a long prayer. But just one from the heart. And again... Just say this, if you're wanting to receive Christ as your Savior, the one who died for your sins, to receive his forgiveness and giving your life to him. Scripture says, repent and believe. Turn from doing your own thing your own way and give your life to God. Repent and believe. So, <clears throat> go ahead and close your eyes again. And if you would like to pray, just repeat this with me. Dear God, Dear God I am sorry for my sins. Sorry for my sins. I need you. I need you. And I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. Jesus. Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And you were raised back to life. You were raised back to life. I need you. forgive me for rejecting you and right now I ask you to come into my life forgive me for my sins and give me a new life in you I want to follow you and God Scripture says you're now my father. And I'm your son or daughter. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for coming into my life. Help me to love you too. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.